0: Welcome to the Circle City Cinema with Zach Griffith and Brett Sexton, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network.
1: All I have for you is a gesture and a word. Ta da! It's time, oh, Brett. It's, it's time. It is. God, we talked about this doing this pod when when we first saw the movie months ago and finally able to get together to discuss it. Wanted to wait because it's such a it was such a fucking cluster for this movie. Nobody not everybody had access to it. We wanted to wait until the Blu ray came out to do this pod so that everybody had a chance to see it. But uh it's here. Attend it. And we're doing the pod now With our good friend Our special guest Returning <laughs> Our most controversial guest maybe as well <laughs> You don't have proof of what I said <laughs> You lost that <laughs> Cooper Ogle back He's returned After joining us for the Raimi trilogy He's Joining us for Tenet Dr. Cooper Ogle Coop oh, no, no. <laughs> It's a protected title I'm not a doctor yet it got disbarred from stealing all those horse tranquilizers so it's gonna retake the exam <laughs> the time and okay. bullets he stole <laughs> it's what they got mr pib on <laughs> uh, hit us with the news though redis yeah before we get too far into it, we got a little bit of news uh, christopher nolan has said that he is interested in adapting his movies into video games kind of mixed on this but which of his movies would you be most interested in seeing as a video game adaptation? I'm going Inception it's a good one
0: uh, I said Dunkirk Cause you know You could easily do it As a historical Kind of setting You know Play off like Battlefield As well
1: Tom Hardy Would yeah. work well You could
0: be Tom Hardy <laughs> I I feel like It's cheap to say Batman Cause I've already done So many good Batman games yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah You could be Harry Styles First person shooter Yeah <laughs> What are you taking Brett? You got to pick one with a little bit of action. Like, I don't think Prestige, the video game, would, tra- would translate as well as an Inception, a Dunkirk. Interstellar? Interstellar would be good. You could get some f- cool sci-fi. Yeah. Some sci-fi game in there. Memento? Find out who killed your wife? Yeah. <laughs> Murder mystery? <laughs> Maybe, but it would be interesting to see hit those IPs turned into games and, and how they would translate. Well, I'm actually just
0: thinking about the Memento one working, and have you guys heard of Heavy Rain? Yes. You know, a little spoiler, the Origami Killer is you, so I would be in the same vein.
1: I didn't think I could do it. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) John G. I have to find John G. He killed my wife. Well, you're John G, brother. All right, we'll dive into a Tenet. Probably the biggest movie of the year, guys. Well, yeah. well, what about Bad Boys for Life? No. No, <laughs> no I, th- I thought you might. I thought you might go there. But <laughs> Tenet, directed by Christopher Nolan, produced by Nolan and his wife, Emma Thomas, written by Christopher Nolan. Took him five years to write it. And if you've seen the movie, you understand why. Cinematography by Hoyt Van Hoytema, edited by Jennifer Lame, music by Ludwig Gornson who did the Black Panther score. This is an Oscar winner that people are ripping into. Awesome score. I thought the score was awesome.
0: Yeah, I just saw a whole behind-the-scenes segment, all the one they include on the Blu-ray, and the part about the score was really neat because you could realize, especially in the last fight, is that the score for the blue team, which travels in reverse, it's played in reverse as well.
1: Oh, yeah. wow. Why that- that, wow. No one takes very close attention to his movies. It all comes together like a nice puzzle. Starring John David Washington, who, if you don't know, is the son of Denzel. And at one time was almost an NFL player. Almost. Uh, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, and Kenneth Branagh. 7.5 out of 10 IMDb. uh, What do we think of that? I think it's fair. uh, Personally, I think it's a little
0: low considering the possibilities of this film, understanding the scientific aspects behind it, because it's not as far out there as you think, and I'll get into that with my explanation. <laughs> trying to speedrun it for you.
1: RogerEven.com, three out of four stars. Yeah, it's harder to judge Rogers because of that four scale. That yeah. There's so many great movies that have a three and so many wishy-washy movies that also have a three. Yeah, but that's fair. I don't think it's a, a four and a four. So I mean the same thing. Three and a half it is the highest you could
0: go. Yeah. It, it's just it's not perfect because it's funnily enough for a film that's all about time is that it doesn't have enough time to build the drama. It's just so fast paced, in my opinion. And I think that's why other films I'd put above it that's by, you know, our man, I'd say is the Dark Knight. And Interstellar. Well, I'd probably put it third in his list of films. I think I would put it above Inception.
1: You think all his movies are fast-paced?
0: All of them, no, but definitely this one.
1: This one might be the fastest. I don't know what would come close to it.
0: Uh, I think the slowest, probably Interstellar.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the longest movie, too.
0: Yeah, my mom has... Not finish the film because she said she gets bored, turns it off before Hey even leaves Earth, and that just makes
1: oh, me mad. Hell. Oh, something. I have something in common with your mind. Bro. <laughs> Wait, bro, God. you haven't finished and there's still? Not it? that I'm bored. It's every time I've started the movie, it's been at, like, midnight. Uh-uh. So at around, like, 1230-ish, i was like, damn it.
0: <laughs> started to fall asleep. Oh, that's the same with Semi-Pro. I've tried to watch it six times, never
1: finished it. But uh, Yeah, one one day I got to sit down at a reasonable hour and watch it. So Matthew McConaughey farming puts you to sleep? I'm shocked. I know. <laughs> I'm driving to cornfield every time I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Get tired again. Well believe. see,
0: there's a special thing I do in watching films and it's called drinking, and you should try
1: it. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna help with me staying awake <laughs> for the duration of a three hour movie. By the way, I don't drink enough. I don't suggest drinking during this film. Especially no, if I it's do. The first that's time. how I
0: watch it the first time. <laughs> Damn four it. beers deep in an hour.
1: Damn it.
0: Made it easy to understand. No wonder you rewatched it. I just rewatched it. Yeah, right now. It, honestly, rewatching is kind of fun because the parts watching it sober that I would consider harder to understand were easier while drunk. And the parts that I thought were harder to understand while drunk were much easier sober.
1: Science. It's kind of neat. Okay. Spoken like a true madman. Science. Guys, this was the simplest plot synopsis I could find. It came from Wikipedia. A secret agent manipulates the flow of time to prevent World War III. Pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Without giving anything away, that's that's what happens. You literally can't even give away the character's the main character's name he doesn't have one. The protagonist.
0: <laughs> yeah, Fight Club situation.
1: The protagonist. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's discuss our first viewings. Coop, uh, you talked about yours. Uh, you were you were drunk when you watched it first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, what I keep having to pause every 10 minutes because my dad's like, I don't understand this. So I'd go and I'd talk to him about it all. He's like, how are you following this? I'm like, it's actually pretty easy. What What were you drinking?
1: Just out of curiosity. Shiner Bach. Oh, okay. Four, four of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Brett, you and I saw this together. Yes, we did. In the theater. In the theater, which is something that I pray everyone gets to do at some point. Yeah. This I- is one of those movies another Nolan like Dunkirk that I'm going to, it's going to break break my heart when I see somebody watching on an airplane.
0: (laughs) Don't you lie and say you remember Dunkirk. I remember you
1: there. All right. I remember Dunkirk and it (laughs) it was a spectacular film. Hey, he has no comment at this time. His legal team is not here, but it's the same. It's the same vein that why would you ever watch this movie on an airplane? Like TV, this just—I get mad when I see that airlines offer certain films. Like when I saw somebody watching it on an airplane, I was like, "What are you doing?" No, I'm getting. Come
0: on! If my plane's going to crash, I want to watch this film. Get the real immersion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can you? I mean, we saw it in IMAX, Brett, (laughs) which is how it was meant to be seen. Yeah, as most Nolan films are—an unbelievable experience to say the very least. Now, not being in the theater for a long time definitely contributed to the experience, but I think it would have been great anyway. I agree. Awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, there's a very select handful of movies that absolutely require an IMAX theater. Every, most movies can benefit, but some that demand and IMAX viewing. There's very few films each year that do that. This is very easily one of them. It was tailor-made for it as Nolan does with any film he makes. He loves that IMAX. Loves using miles of IMAX reels. (laughs) Oh, we'll get to how much he used for this one.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's actually neat uh, going through the some of the special effects on this film is that they talked to the IMAX camera developers so that it would actually shoot in reverse. So, you oh know, when you play back in theaters, you know, be forwards, but they had to completely redesign how the
1: cameras filmed. That's only um, a luxury that Nolan can get. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to the IMAX guys, tell them, tell them to do it my way. Rick, Rick, can you explain uh, my reaction when the building blew up twice? Oh, God. We, we'll get into that again in best scenes. But if you have seen the movie, towards the end in the big military operation, it's built up. You, you know what's going to happen when you see t- two soldiers with rocket launchers, one inverted, one team not inverted, shooting at the exact same building. You know what's going to happen. And you can't believe it when the building gets blown up and then gets reassembled in the exact same moment. And it just perfectly sums up how much fun it is to just watch this movie unfold in front of you. Was at that yeah. point, I knew I was fucked.
0: <laughs> that was uh, one of those moments where first time through, I couldn't follow. I was too trash. But second time through, it made a lot more sense. <laughs> I didn't even notice the guy setting up to shoot at the same time. I just saw, well, it's just gone. What happened?
1: <laughs> Go ahead and take uh, two minutes. Give, give, give me five. I can do it in five. All right. Three, I'll give you three. But look,
0: look you, you see where we are in the dock? I'll stop before the, you know, quantum superposition because that's better for Interstellar. All right. So uh, to understand this film, let's start with our usual frame of reference is like a sinusoidal signal where it's amplitude over time. But in the tenant frame of reference, we kind of want to talk like amplitude over frequency where we want to know, view things as a Dirac delta signal. Hey, hey so, focus on the inversion. Focus so on I'm the getting inversion. It. I'm getting it. Th- th- this is going to help out, it's going to help out. So uh, for those not aware of a Dirac delta signal is that uh, we'll do a Kronecker delta. It's a piecewise set of an event where something is zero if some condition is not met or one if a condition is met, like typical time perception. The rock delta is an analog analysis where something could be anywhere between zero and one, and it's, it's anywhere within that value range. And so uh, anything can happen simultaneously within there. And you have to measure that event. So hold on, hold on. If anyone's is
1: having trouble following along, uh, you're I'm not so alone. Shocked by Coop. I clicked a link and I've now been given <laughs> I've been given a formula for an equation of some sort. Look, <laughs> there's going to be a test at the end of the podcast. you're all taking notes. I'm, I'm trying to speedrun this, all
0: right? So inversion, uh, inversion. Focus. I'm getting, there. I'm getting there. I'm trying to prove that it's a linear storyline all right no 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 no. we we understand it's a thing explain what it is okay fine well then we'll go to red shifting and blue shifting all right that that'll help with the inversion so let's talk color pattern in this film so in this film it's kind of neat to see that they use cool blue versus neon pink instead of you know in a lot of films you'll see like this moody blue versus like a dusk orange and
1: of but to undo the shooting
0: and so you'll see that his character is tied up he's in the red light those who are going in reverse are in the blue light and so red shifting is when a wavelength you know slowly loses energy and shifts towards infrared light and um gamma waves you know are the same items they kind of move away from us um you see that this is common with looking at planets through telescopes that's how we know how far away they are if the light's kind of red shifted versus Blue shifted is that the wavelengths move towards a higher frequency. They become compressed, and you can find the uh, bumper stickers that show this, where if you're driving too fast into something, it changes from red to blue, so you're too close, too fast. It's moving towards us quickly. So you're thinking this kind of a hard concept, maybe you've never really realized it before, but you have. Whenever a siren comes towards you, you know, it's really quick on you, then it's just Gone really quick. You hear it kind of slowly fading out, even though it just passed right by you. Otherwise, this whole red shift versus blue shift is known as the Doppler effect. And so that's what we're dealing with in this film. Is that the protagonist, once again, and you also see the red teams at the end of the film, they're moving forwards in time, they're moving away from us and our viewpoint as they continue forwards. And the reverse is moving towards us. But uh, by moving forwards, he's forwards for him, he's kind of moving backwards for us. In a point, And um, thus has higher energy and is blue shifted. So it kind of sounds backwards, I know, by moving forwards. You know, he's moving backwards. We have to remember that it's played in reverse. So thus he's moving forwards for us. So that's an easier way to kind of view the film, in my opinion. Because you have to view it from two frames of reference for the same time event. Which is what I was trying to get to with the Dirac Delta functions. Is that you have all these different events at once. And by using, you know, superposition, you know, you're measuring this event and that by measuring it you've changed the event even though it is all the same function with different inputs where you get different outputs for it but it's all the same function and so it should be viewed as the same according to us we're not used to that by measuring it we've changed the output
1: so when you were texting us that you were following this film very well yes how many beers How many? Uh, About two. I think
0: the first time I started texting you, which
1: let me look at those texts. because I had some interesting (laughs) thoughts on this. Brett, am I wrong? He said he's following it very well. He did. But yeah, I think especially on the second viewing, it is easier. So the future essentially is sending objects back, which become inverted. And so when you're inverted, you're moving backwards in time. But from your perception, you're moving normal. The best example in the movie is when John David Washington goes inverted and drives the car and we see that whole highway chase scene from a different perspective because when he walks outside you see how air looks like it's moving backwards but he's like almost relearning how to walk essentially we are watching everything that's inverted objects or people on rewind a good example is uh, a puddle of milk becoming ice cream we're watching that just in reverse that's really it the future's trying to kill the past yeah that's kind of the essence of the whole world war but yes cooper did the science and i can (laughs) and i can back him that he did in fact (laughs) he did the research he did do the research
0: so for those wanting to know more about a similar topic because the film is all about reversing entropy is that there's a short story by isaac asimov that talks about it called the last question it's really neat viewing about can you reverse entropy or not so going into this film, I thought it was easy to understand because I thought of time travel in the same exact way that Nolan had in that you do not have alternate universes. You have alternate timelines of the same event. They're branching off and that it's a matter of can you rewrite this? So for this film, what you need to understand is that our protagonist is both the beginning of this timeline and the very end where it's all the way back to the beginning when this explosion happens and you know, the USSR all the way into the future decorate decades from now, when they decide to make this tenant program and that the antagonists, they don't realize they think in their own world that they are the conclusion of this timeline, but they're actually in the middle of it because they cannot see the bigger picture. And so that's why you don't really have any paradoxes, even though (coughs) you might think that you do. And in fact, if we get into paradox, it'd be really cool because the guy who was one of the script leads on this, um, dr ken Thorne. right yeah uh, he helped out a lot he was another producer on interstellar on interstellar yes so you saw my whole write-up of that which yeah, yeah. i want to talk one interstellar about him but uh he believes that essentially through the viewing of a lot of these various what we call um
1: hold on, hold on I, I gotta look at the term I gotta get it right <laughs> and i will All say real quick just a point while you're looking that up you speak of the paradoxes one of the big ones for the whole movie that you gets mentioned at the end is the grandfather paradox which is what cooper was pretty much describing which is what came first the chicken or the egg which is super cool to look into i think a lot of people will after they watch it but and
0: in fact they talk about that in the wikipedia article for dr thorne where uh one of his research he's doing at caltech with you know illegal gravitational waves and he theorizes that that's not a big issue that these closed time-like curves is what they're called where you know preventing backwards time travel is that um i'll read a little excerpt from their wikipedia um if his results can be generalized they would suggest that none of the proposed paradoxes formulated in time travel stories can actually be formulated at a precise physical level that is that any situation in the time travel story turns out to permit many consistent solutions that kind of goes back that dirac delta function where it's all a matter of measuring the output
1: so a lot of science, but I think it's I think it's necessary to talk about this movie because, And most importantly, above all else, after the sciencey shit, follow the advice of uh Posey's character Laura, who is the scientist that Johnny Washington meets, and she tells him what she's talking about inversion, and this is a good way to watch the movie, especially the first time. Don't try to understand it, just feel it. <laughs> Just enjoy that was, it. That was Nolan basically telling the audience, look, you're going to have just, to watch this twice. Just enjoy it. <laughs> I'm going to say the opposite. You know, Really think about
0: it, try to figure it out. <laughs> you could always you watch know. a movie twice. Yeah, let you know when rewatching it if you were right the first time. So then you could say, uh, screw you guys, it's right the first time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so well, one last thing on this topic, and we'll move on. The only way you can invert yourself is to go in one of those turnstile things. Is that the only way?
0: Uh, Yes, according to the film, yes. Okay.
1: All right.
0: Which it's kind of neat because that also goes into, well, you know, something else that I was talking about here with the um, black holes and other posits that Dr. Thorne was thinking about where um, there's this thing called a Tipler cylinder named after Frank Tipler where, um, read a quick excerpt uh, excerpt on it in which um, you have space-time containing a massive, infinitely long cylinder which is spinning along its longitudinal axis, basically a wormhole. Um, Uh. This frame-dragging effect warps space-time in such a way that light cones of objects in the cylinder's proximity become tilted so that part of the light cone then points backwards along the time axis on a space-time diagram. Therefore, a spacecraft, accelerating sufficiently in the appropriate direction, can travel backwards through time along a closed time-like curve. And so I think that's why he's doing these rotational effects because the rotational effects kind of go into another aspect that Dr. Thorne is talking about with... um, if you're rotating around a certain type of black hole, that's what allows for these induced closed time-like curves. There's a little bit more into it than that, but it'd probably fit better in a interstellar podcast.
1: There you go. Time inversion. One of the main themes of Tenet. Uh, Bredis, tell us a little bit about the historical aspect of this movie. Yeah, especially going forward with the year that 2020 was, and what it did to movie theaters and cinema, there was a lot of weight put on 10 shoulders that yeah. Nolan definitely didn't expect when he was writing the movie five years ago. No. But in a time when every movie was getting delayed, canceled, put on hold, whatever you want to call it, Nolan was pushing and putting his foot down saying, I want this released in theaters. I'm not going to hold off and put it on a streaming service first. <laughs> This is going to go in theaters. And he eventually got his wish to be opened up in select theaters in select cities across the country and across the world. And it had a $200 million budget. Ended up making $363 million. And more often than not, we would poke fun at that because that is in the red. They did not make a profit with that amount of budget. Not at all. But it is important to note all the other circumstances. And you put in a great note, which is... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood made $374 million in a completely normal year. Granted, vastly different movies. One is way more of an action film than the other. But two superstar directors featuring phenomenal casts. And during the 2020 pandemic, one almost matched the other. This definitely makes its money back and any other year. Smashes it. But unfortunately, it's in the red. But it was a statement that, that Nolan wanted to make. And he wanted to stick by it. And I supported that. I think this would have made at least $600 in a regular year. Yeah. At least. Uh, And I wanted to read this from Wikipedia because uh, it doesn't blame COVID. I know it's Wikipedia, but it it doesn't blame COVID for the financial losses. Here's what it says. Here's what it says. However, it failed to break even due to its costly production and marketing budget. My ass those yeah. are the reasons why that's yeah i don't you just look at like batman v superman it's spent like 400 million dollars that's spending a lot of money 200 million dollars is on the low end for some movies nowadays look at the mcu how much they've spent on movies hey you know what other movie cost 200 million Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. And how much better did this movie look than I wonder. Shit. I wonder if they blamed uh, COVID problems. <laughs> I wonder if they made the same argument. The film make you sick afterwards? There <laughs> the is COVID. a scene I would love Coop to watch, and it's where she's jumps out of that Jeep <laughs> and starts sprinting. I think if Cooper bought a green screen ran in front of it at home and superimposed an Iraqi desert, it might look par for par. We can make Wonder Woman 1989 in Coop's basement. <laughs> could make a lot of films in my basement. But <laughs> uh, That's a great point. This is just unfortunate as hell for Tenet. This is a movie that deserved to make it's money back. Deserved to be a
0: financial success. Look, uh, all I'm saying is, if you compare this film directly to Once Upon a Time, uh, clearly the difference is, is that Nolan didn't have enough foot fetish
1: shots. That's oh, it. Dude, you're taking shots at Tarantino now. Come on, <laughs> come on now. The man likes his feet. It's well known. <laughs> but you posed a good question too. Does any other director, I'll add, currently have as much pull yeah. as Nolan? Yeah, this is your James Cameron note, Coop. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, it's still James Cameron. You you think that when Avatar two comes out, it's not going to instantly smash box office the records? Don't lie to me. I don't it's going know. To. I think but it's going
1: to Avatar might have been a phenomenon because I would tell you right now, I'm not excited about Avatar two. Yeah. It'll make a lot of money. It's not going to be. It's not going to beat out Endgame though. It's not it going to. It won't do better than the first Avatar. I, I will make a shot bet
0: right now. It will.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh.
0: I'll make that bet. I'll make that bet. Take a shot at 10 high. <laughs> make it a double. <laughs> Fine. There's no uh, way. All right, all right. You, you want another one? You want another one who's done more recent films. How about Michael Bay? All of his films are successful. Whether he Not critically, not critically,
1: but financially. Financially. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a point there, Brett. How many, How much money the Transformers movies make? More than oh, they should have. A lot. The last night, which was far and away the worst installment, made like six hundred million. Yeah, no, they've all made disgusting amounts of money. But I, I still gotta go. I still gotta go. Nolan. Yeah, I think he's one of the only guys who can put out an original idea and make as much money as he does every time that's the thing you have to think about is all ninety nine percent of Michael Bay stuff already has a fan base. Right. Like Transformers already has a fan base before the movies came out.
0: Right. You uh you want to know the total box office on all the Transformers films? Um, I'm this guess, does include uh, three billion. Uh, this does include the nineteen eighty six film, but that only made five million, so you could easily just discount it.
1: Three um, billion, my guess. Three billion, red. Uh, I'll go 5 billion.
0: Well, worldwide box office, 4.85 oh, billion.
1: Shit. Tough. Tough. Well, didn't Age of Extinction make like 1.2 or something? It made a shit. It
0: problem, made 1.1 1.
1: 1 billion worldwide. God. <laughs> Fuck you.
0: Fast and Furious and as well. Those dark mean. of the Moon, though, made more. is 1.123 billion.
1: Wow. Wow. Hey, the first one's good. I'll defend the first one. We watched that over the summer, didn't we? First Transformers, maybe? Yes, we did. Yeah, that's good. It's a good movie. I'm still going to lean Cameron, though. Or not Cameron. Uh, Nolan. we got to lean Nolan. I know what you're saying, Coop, with Cameron. I, I understand what you're saying, but i got I got to go Nolan.
0: Well, you said which one has the most audience poll. I mean, I think that counts. He's 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 eligible. What do
1: you mean that he's eligible?
0: I'm not gonna say the Russo brothers who've done a whole bunch of Marvel no. because no one goes to it to say, oh, it's the Russo brothers. I gotta see it. Yeah, but it's
1: Marvel. How about Spielberg?
0: I'm I forgot he existed. I'm I'm gonna be real.
1: That's what we said. Currently, like that's that's a good point. Like you haven't thought about him in a while. He's, so last movie was Ready Player One. Yeah, and I went and saw that because it was him. I'll be honest, and it looked cool. I did not not go see that. I definitely waited for that at home. No, I watched the shit out of it. I haven't seen it since, but I just (laughs) saw the Iron Giant was in the trailer, so I knew I I had to be there. (laughs) Uh, Is this the most original Nolan film? We've got some candidates for you guys. Now, a note. The Prestige was adapted from a novel, so that doesn't count. I'm also not counting the three Batman movies. Because although he took Batman into a whole new direction, he did not come up with Batman. <laughs> Could you imagine if he did both? <laughs> if he just created <laughs> Batman before Batman Begins? <laughs> then he would have as much audience pull as anyone, Coop. Yeah, he that's- might be the greatest director of, of all time. <laughs> no, that, that's
0: fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Wait minute, Hold on, who
0: directed Shark Tale?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Damn you. Damn, Damn you. you. A dead man, Coop. <laughs> a man who hemorrhaged his home. <laughs> All right, here's the kid. It's Memento, Inception, Interstellar, Tenet. I'm going Tenet.
0: Uh, I just want a quick aside Shark Tale was a financially successful
1: film. I was. Fuck you. But I'm going to have to. never said it wasn't. It <laughs> um, wasn't arguing with its box office.
0: So I'm going to go for which one's most original. I mean, I guess you could go Memento easily. You know, you can see its influence on, like I mentioned earlier the game, Heavy Rain, and its influence on this film, Inception, where he gets at his Inception a Heist film. This one's his spy film that he wanted to make. And I think if he hadn't made Memento first, those films would not be so special. And also in a stellar, they all play off Memento. Where do I like these stories? Well, the Memento, yes, but I think Memento is his most original.
1: Redis. Uh, uh, I don't want to pick Memento as well. I I would go. I I could see an easy argument for this. For for uh, for Tenant being his most original. I'm going Tenant. But I don't know, Inception too. Just it seems so simple after like in hindsight 2020, like a dream within a dream. But until he makes that execution on it, it's like how has this not been made before? Right. I mean, when we saw it in the theater over the summer, it's pretty i mean he's done def- pretty well he's got to be one of the most from a big grandiose hollywood standpoint the most original filmmaker he's in he's, recent history he's a jewel as good play. as as good as uh, tarantino scorsese all those guys are spielberg there's a lot of adaptations in there but their originals don't come close to the originality and uniqueness of the concepts of a memento, of an inception, of an interstellar. In terms of originality, Tarantino comes pretty close. I know he adapts some stuff, but he comes
0: close. See, I'm going to go a little different from you, Brett. I'm going to say that um, Nolan is original in his plots for his films but the concepts themselves are all pretty much the same between memento inception dunkirk and Stiller and tenet and that it's just a cyclical amount of time and it's a matter of how much you want it to be forward-facing reverse-facing you know all based around the same event which frame of reference are you viewing from once you see that it's neat to see him repeating it in different aspects and so it all feels like they are different films that because they are even though it's all the same concept <laughs>
1: I mean, from that standpoint, yeah, every movie technically there's a lot of arguments in film academia that every movie has been made. every type of story has been made already. It's just different versions of that story, so I mean to that point, yeah, that's true for everybody if you' follow add, I'm just beliefs. saying
0: he relies on his own concepts more so than others. yeah you know, it, it seems like he deviates heavily, but I don't think he really does. I think he just gets better at telling the same story with a different set of actors. My Which I, I'm totally fine with. I enjoyed a lot.
1: My ass, someone's made tenant. My ass. Well, no, no, I'm no, saying no one's made, made tenant. It yeah, but the concept of the story and storytelling, every story's been told, some of them just look very different. Exactly. Talking about Prestige. He adapted from a novel. We'll get to it later, but I think you can make a strong case. It's his best film.
0: I'm I'm so glad that my mom couldn't guess the ending that because she could <laughs> guess the ending the most films. I can't get her to watch Tenet yet. So I don't know, but no, like way. I said, she guesses I she guessed the ending to Shutter Island before Leo even left the dock. I turned, God, it off, I turned it off. I threw on the Prestige. She didn't get the Prestige. <laughs> tenet's
1: Tenet's weird though because you can't guess the ending because there's no big twist or reveal. You just you learn what inversion is in the middle of the movie and the movie just plays out. There's not, like, you guess at the end.
0: Well, I mean, I was texting you guys, it, and I thought that the whole point with the red team and the blue teams at the end is that they're fighting themselves, but they weren't. So no, I thought that yeah. was kind of
1: neat, you know. That was a good guess, though. Which,
0: I don't know, there, there's some films you could kind of guess anything. I remember watching Blade Runner 2049 at theaters, and it's kind of neat that there's, like, the double fake-out, you know. I thought maybe Ryan Gosling, you know, had the kid, and then right. realized at the end that the kid belonged to Harrison Ford, you know, you know, it was heavily implied, but I might have also been drinking during that one.
1: <laughs> uh, a theme. Of course. of course. A theme is <laughs> taking place. Common theme and twist endings. Coop drunk.
0: Uh, you know, I could not tell you the last time I saw a movie sober in theaters.
1: Did your mom guess what was in the box? <laughs> Seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so I thought... Um,
0: Well, are you actually alluding to Seven? Yeah.
1: Did she get those
0: in the box? I don't think I've ever seen that with her. I don't know if she's ever seen it. Um, I don't think she'd be happy about the film because apparently after I showed her Uncut Gems, she wasn't happy about it. She's like, I don't like films in which, you know, there's no likable person where, you know, the good guy doesn't win. It's like, what?
1: She's not going to like Seven.
0: Yeah, no. She's not going (laughs) to like The
1: Dark Knight either. I don't think she's seen it. No hasn't seen the dark night. Unbelievable. <laughs> Not everyone is like a suck. She won't be coming on this show. There's other people out there. <laughs> Sane people. But is this is this the most confusing film no one has ever made? Without a doubt. I don't know if I'd say confusing. I say it's the the least accessible. That's fair. I was gonna say uh, inception
0: i think might be more confusing
1: oh i think inception is incredibly easy to follow it's talking, first viewing. It's are just, we talking first viewing or just overall mostly? first viewing and overall i think yeah, this both. is his the least accessible like how, before the pod started for you joined, coop i mentioned that because it's a mystery and not a thriller where he Gives you everything, and you're in suspense. He actively holds information. So for the first hour, you're supposed to like be playing catch up until they reveal plot points. They give you exposition. You're not supposed to really know the whole arc of the film, and that makes it less accessible. It's not as easy just to turn on and just enjoy or get right out the get go. Where the Inception, I think, just the dream within a dream is much easier to go. Okay there's layers in a dream rather than the future is sending back things, but they're not actually in reverse. They perceive to be going forward. It takes a lot more thought to get into that and accept that narrative than I think any of his other movies. I guess why
0: I argue uh, inception is harder is because not necessarily the idea behind it, but the actual plot layout within the story. I think this one in Tenet, it's much more linear. Even though it appears cyclical at times, it appears like a jumbled mess at points. For those who aren't aware of the linear aspects, I think it's much easier to follow compared to Inception.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying about Inception, because especially when they're on in the snow, that part, and trying to infiltrate the, the guy's uh, dream about his father. First time I saw that, I was like, what, what the... F-? what what dream are we in what planet are we on are we on Hoth what's going on here (laughs) is he dreaming at Hoth what the hell
0: it does make Dunkirk a nice middle ground between the two yeah in terms of that
1: cyclical storytelling Dunkirk is accessible as shit (laughs) yeah it is you turn that on you're like right, it's a war movie here's the good guys trying to not get killed trying to get home there's Tom Hardy (laughs) being in a plane who thought? That's actually the tagline on the poster <laughs> Bane in a <the> plane. <laughs> Redis, another note. Some complaints about this film. Yeah, the biggest one I think everyone's heard is the sound design, the sound mixing. I can't hear what they're saying. A lot of reviews were just one star and they just typed in as the review. <laughs> Fair. Truly, but... truly impressive. <laughs> i, I don't know why about it's you guys. hard to trust audience score sometime i don't know about you guys i thought the sound mixing controversy was so overblown so overblown
0: i agree but all that first time through uh, my dad did make me turn on subtitles made it far easier to read till it got hard to read yeah
1: yeah and i do have a, i guess a defense this is not anything new He's done this since The Dark Knight Rises. And Rasteller was like that, bits of Dunkirk are like that, where I think he just seriously (laughs) tells the audio mixer to layer the audio tracks below everything else. Explosions, sound effects, all that is just layered on top of audio. Especially when they're wearing the mask. When they're wearing the mask, it's just like, whoa. (laughs) well i i kind of like
0: that about the masks though and then also you you later realize a lot of what sounds weird with the mask is that it is reversed (laughs) because i was watching behind the scenes as well is you know the point where you have you know the red and blue lights i was talking about earlier with the protagonist beating the antagonist and elizabeth getting shot is apparently the antagonist actually was speaking in reverse with the Russian accent. I always thought it was just reversed later on, but when they filmed it, he was trying to do everything reversed, including wow. speech. So I think that's part of also walking across the ship deck um, at the end when they're on the icebreaker, the, you know, the yellow and black ship in the film, it looks forward to us. And to me, I swear it's forward, but then behind the scenes, it showed that a lot of it is reversed, which watching the smoke, I couldn't understand that. Cause I thought it had to be forwards because the smoke, Flowed in a forward sense, so I'm not quite sure in this film what parts actually forward, what are reverse. But I think that's a bit of where this sound design controversy comes in.
1: And I got a theory on the sound mixing, and you guys are you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna, like it. you're not gonna Like it. I think the sound mixing is gonna go to the Academy's head, and it will be the reason. Why Tenant is not nominated for Best Picture?
0: So it's going to Bad Boys for Life then.
1: (laughs) It's going to Sonic. What do you think? come out this year. It did. Yeah, it came out in twenty (laughs) twenty. It's been a long year. I meant to see that. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about that theory? Because that's they don't know anything about sound to begin with. The Academy's done dumber things, so oh, the, I would not be surprised.
0: I think they're going to give the sound to Mank, if anything, because it got that old-school you know, monotone sound. Right. And the nice old ribbon microphones that sounded like it was recorded with.
1: It was neat. And they've proven they don't know anything about sound because they combine the two sound categories into one. Oh, they might give it to cats because cats is a musical and that's sound. <laughs> I'm still
0: mad about you saw me the other night watching you know Apollo 13 and that they gave in '96 for those Oscars. There were oh, two Jesus. two movies nominated for you know special effects. One was Apollo 13, and it was not the winner because you remember the winner was Babe. So yeah, the Academy
1: sucks. I love that pig, man. I still think it's the biggest... Swept the hearts of the nation. Oh, my God. And got a sequel. Got a fucking <laughs> sequel. <laughs> Babe 2, <laughs> dinner's ready. <laughs> well, in all fairness, they're not going to do a sequel to Apollo 13. Fuck it. Let's do it again. <laughs> Shoot another one up there. Babe. Slaughterhouse. A <laughs> horror take of the pig. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just ends with a barbecue.
1: Oh, God. I still think the biggest travesty is uh, Shakespeare in Love beating Saving Private Ryan.
0: I hope Uh, you know because of you, I've been reiterating that to my parents. Now they're making fun of me for it.
1: Hope you're happy. It is inexcusable. It's inexcusable looking back. But we we don't have time for that. The best scene, gentlemen. We have the opening sequence the protagonist and neil fight themselves the highway chase protagonist and neil go back in time with cat and then the final battle with the red and blue teams well, I'm so partial,
0: i like the highway chase cuz that's the part where i really put it together for the first yeah. time especially you know, when you get neat. the
1: when you get the second half when you get the inverted john David washington so you get to see the scene a second time from a different perspective I did, it's so much fun. I mean, my—I was grinning because I showed this movie to my dad, and my brother. I was grinning when the highway chase scene was coming up. <laughs> Give us Dean's quote. Give us your brother's quote from from his viewing. Oh, what did I say? I forget what I said now. <laughs>
0: Well, see, I like also at the very end when you hear Robert Pattinson kind of explaining things and, you know, at this point, it was a little hazy film for me, but uh, I really enjoyed the part where, you know, Robert has to go back to justify the paradox, close it off, and I always thought the movie's based around Washington, but Robert's the actual key, and I thought that was genius that you're thinking that this is a film because you're seeing it through this protagonist viewpoint. That's who it's really based around, but it's really based around um, Robert
1: even though the first time, I'm glad you brought up Paddington cuz the first time we watched this uh and you see him in the beginning with the red uh like lanyard on his backpack when he saves when he saves the protagonist in the opera house even though I didn't know fully understand what was going on I I felt it when uh, he turned around at the end and saw he saw the red lanyard again. I was like, "Oh fuck." Yeah, there's like there's certain viewings that have different effects. Like on the very first viewing, the opening sequence, I was giddy. My heart was racing because I was like, now it's hit me. This is a, this is a Nolan movie. Yeah. This is Nolan's big movie. I was so excited. The highway chase scene, I, I want to show everybody that scene. I want to sit behind them and watch the reaction for it. Like you said, seeing that little, land, that little strap so you know yep. who it was back at the theater at the beginning of the film, all of these or rightfully so can be the best scene in the entire movie. They all could. They all could. You know, I'm glad you pointed out the strap. I actually I saw it
0: rewatching the ending part. Now I didn't rewatch the whole film, but I actually noticed it the first time through it all, and I didn't notice the significance until you pointed it out. So that's kind of neat.
1: Even the first time when I didn't know what the fuck was happening, I was like, "Well, that's pretty significant." That's pretty
0: cool. <laughs> well, see, the opening scene to me, uh, I kind of love just because. I was settling down on the couch and I say to my dad, I didn't even get time to finish the sentence saying, Yeah, I hear this movie's, you know, really loud and kind of hard to hear at times. And as I'm in the middle of that sentence, gunshots. It's like, all right, we're into this. Fastest opening ever <laughs> in a Nolan film.
1: It really was. It really was. How about the f- the fake cyanide? How about that? Oh, his face He, did, he didn't know it was fake. No, he, oh, yeah. he was ready to die. Yeah.
0: Yeah, first time mm-hmm. through, I didn't understand that it was fake. I thought it was just supposed to be like a failed cyanide. And I thought, well, his face should still be partially melted.
1: Have you seen the, reaction? the theory that he died and this was all just afterlife? It's dumb. Yeah, it's yeah. dumb. It is dumb. I agree. It's like movies that end with, and he woke up and it was all a dream. Or like, fuck you. <laughs> it takes any weight the movie had. It just takes it out of it. I'd be okay if they did that with you know Inception. It'd still be a you
0: know fuck you, but at least that, that
1: yeah that sense. works because the whole yeah the whole movie's about dreams. But right. uh, best scene for me, I'm gonna go with uh, when we find out the protagonist and Neil were fighting themselves. That whole sequence. That is great when you get to when they realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Coop, what are you going with?
0: Uh, I speaking about that is first time through. I should have saw it coming. I didn't say anything. What I almost said when I was watching with my dad, is that, um, you know, you see Elizabeth jump off the side of the ship. I almost said to him, I bet that's her. I didn't say it. Really wish I had. <laughs> and it was a great playoff at the end. Honestly, uh, I, I could guess that was her, but I couldn't guess that they're fighting each other.
1: That narratively is beautiful because the, her character carries... The, she is the heart and soul of this movie. Whether or not you like it about films, having, caring a lot about your protagonist, having emotional weight, she is all the emotional weight this movie has. And when you hear her talk about how she envied that woman who jumped off, how she wishes that was her, and then you find out it's her, that's so poetic. That is a beautiful way to tie up that little plot for her. That's I a absolutely,
0: I loved Elizabeth Debicki's performance in this, and uh, apparently... Jonathan's wife She said that she decided to cast her Because she liked her performance in Widows Which I've not seen But enjoyed seen her it. in this Watch Widows
1: um, She was great um, Let's go to the performances Since you brought that up John David Washington as the protagonist We've seen him in Black Landsman* before this He was great in that He was great again Brings a bit of his humor yeah. I think he has a very subtle humor that works and a, you, it shows itself in a, a couple moments in the movie. I got a question for him uh, about him for you guys. Is he the next great action star? I don't think I can say yet, just off this movie. I think it's too early to say.
0: I'm going to be real. Like, when I first had see him in films, I'd also get him confused a lot with Chedwick Boseman, and it's like, Oh, I love those two, and it's like, oh wait, they're different people. <laughs> so, yeah, I haven't quite cemented in my mind yet and what I think up. of him. You
1: no, know. he kind of has. He kind of sounds like he's dead, too, a little bit, a little bit. A hell of a beard. Hell, hell of a beard. Hell of a beard.
0: Oh yeah, the fact that was my first text to you boys while watching this.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I've never not- seen the film. It is immaculate. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um. Robert Pattinson is Neil. Robert Pattinson blowing up the past couple of years. A of great I love performance. Robert Pattinson getting back into this, the limelight.
0: See, uh, another thing from behind the scenes that I enjoyed is that both Pattinson and Washington, when they were being interviewed by Nolan to be in this film, is that they both had like three, four hour interviews where they talked to them. They didn't even talk about the film. And then Nolan's just like, all right, see you at the end. And they thought they completely blew it. And they got a call later, like, yeah, all right, you've been cast. And apparently Washington was cast first and the whole movie is kind of cast around him. Where after that, you had Michael Caine for a brief bit. No surprise. It's
1: not a Nolan movie if Michael Caine isn't there sitting down saying some exposition. Even when he dies, they're going to prop his corpse up in the movie and move his mouth. (laughs) Speaking of uh, the casting and Robert Pattinson, Zach sent me the greatest tweet a while back about Robert Pattinson. It says there were months at a time while filming Tenet where he was not even vaguely understanding the film, and that makes me love him even more. Keep it real. No one approached him. He just said, yes, I'll do it. And he just showed up on set every day and was like, all right, in this scene, you're launching from the ground into this building. He was like, all right, strap me in. I'll do whatever. Who cares? Keeping it real with Bob Pattinson.
0: (laughs) There was a great quote from the behind the scenes from one of the set hands saying that all these people just showed up one day and, uh, quote, they didn't have a clue what was happening in that scene. They just <laughs> set everything up for the set production and just move on to the next one.
1: Don't ask home. questions. Don't ask questions no Nolan. You just do your job on the set that day and you go home. They watched the YouTube videos after they saw the premiere. <laughs> what happened? What happened to my movie? What was I working on? <laughs>
0: Well, see, talking a little more about, you know, camera techniques and not, I thought it was neat that a lot of things they filmed forwards and backwards simultaneously, even though um, Hoytema and Nolan both say that they are one camera person's people. They only like to use, you know, one at a time. But a lot of this, they use simultaneous ones. And then apparently, according to Nolan, that this film is one of the first films to have aerials over Mumbai since the government didn't allow it before. Don't know if that's true or not
1: good old Nolan you mentioned Elizabeth Debicki Coop and I think you make a case best performance of the movie That's yeah very, but no. it's kind of cheating too though because she's the only character with true emotional weight we don't know we, we don't know anything about Pattinson or John David Washington they're kept at arm's length the entire film. You get a little bit, a little bit of the motivations for Kenneth Brahe, yeah, but no true emotional weight outside of of her character.: Is this the first Nolan movie that doesn't feature a dead woman as one of its major tropes? It's a dead man uh, on the other line, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> The I don't think dead, a dead man is the end of this fucking line. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a movie. See, I mean, think about it. Memento, dead wife. Somnia, dead girlfriend. Prestige, dead wife. Batman Begins, dead mother. The next two movies, dead girlfriend. Dark Knight, yeah, dead girlfriend. Rises. Well, I
0: mean, I don't know how you want to score this one. Is That she dies, but they stop her from dying. So from you know, the antagonist point <laughs> of view, she's dead. So, it's a Schrodinger's cat situation, which I could have talked about, but no, you're like, go to do
1: an old two minutes. I had to do it, Goob. Had to do it.
0: It's all right. I'll get into it in Interstellar.
1: But just, just be grateful if you're a female actress that you don't have to work with Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> no shit, dude. Or Weinstein. Ah, oh, that's, that's <laughs> a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. Well, Inception, dead wife. Interstellar, yep. dead wife. He loves his dead wives. What can I say? He's a consistent man. Uh, and then Kenneth Brana as the Russian Andrei Sator. So, what a great Russian accent.
0: For the I, I'm going to talk a little more about another behind-the-scenes thing that I really enjoyed about it is that apparently he was supposed to be much more brutalist, Russian oligarch type, and that the costume designer actually went to Nolan and told him, hey, we could keep that billionaire aesthetic, but let's try and bring him down to earth a little more which I think, you know, the cancer reveal in the end, this kind of family man where it does give him a little more heart, I suppose, makes him a little more enjoyable versus Nolan, who originally wanted him to be like the Joker, where the motivation for his character is mainly destruction over justification.
1: Uh, yeah, I just thought it was a great accent. I thought he did a great job. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> that's, that's my take on Andre Sator. <laughs> <laughs> Where does this rank? Cooper mentioned it earlier. Where does this rank among Christopher Nolan movies? Well I my top three is uh Inception, Memento, and uh probably the Dark Knight. So I think I'd have this um uh, <laughs> sixth I'll let you guys go and then I'll tell you what Rotten Tomatoes has all these movies ranked and see if you agree.
0: um, I think my top three I'm going to go Interstellar just because especially looking at things today regarding all the science find it awesome awesome film. Second The Dark Knight that's really I think is best for character development obviously and then this one will be third because of the whole idea and special effects going into it so each one has certain justifications my opinion for
1: why it's better than others. Wait, Brad, before you crush our dreams with rotten tomatoes, what? Do, where do you think this ranks? Um, where does this rank? This is not. It's not his best. Yeah, it's probably not in my top three. Is it above Dunkirk for you? I know you love Dunkirk.
0: I don't know, man this rat doesn't remember dunkirk
1: <laughs> i really love dunkirk you told
0: Don me Don you'd
1: love it uh, above the prestige i, don't, I see i've tried to decide which one i enjoy more i probably need to watch tenet a couple more times to match with some of these other movies but it's not in my top 3 no. I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. But I'll now I'll go to Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes I had to pull tomatoes up... doesn't matter. They did not like Spider-Man 3. It doesn't matter what they say. I think it what they say. boosts their opinion. I don't know. But I had to pull up a separate page because they didn't have Tenet ranked yet, and they have the top 10. And Tenet is not in the top 10. Oh, my God. For Tenet? him, Tenet got a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Some things they don't understand. They don't understand the film. They don't understand Spider-Man Three.
1: Number ten. This might hurt. Coop. Interstellar. Oh, seven, they didn't 72%. understand it. Two percent. It's okay. They, oh. they were too stupid to understand it. It's all right. Number nine. That's dumb. The Prestige. Seventy-six percent. Above More in, proof. What? More behind, proof. Too dumb.
0: Uh, behind put, Insomnia. L- look. If they put The Dark Knight Rises above The Prestige, it's you know, a I'm, joke. I'm gonna be upset. It's a joke.
1: Number eight, The Following, or Following, 81%. Okay. Right. Actually, what is that film? I've never heard of that. That no, it was it's his just, first. It was, yeah. good. Oh. it was good. Definitely his most contained, when you think about it. Like, nothing crazy and grandiose about <laughs> don't The film fo- Blow Up twice. Yeah, about Following. Uh, number seven, Batman Begins, 84%. Let's
0: be real. He can make a film of himself just eating cereal, and you know we'd
1: watch it. <laughs> Yeah, it would. Number, number six, Inception, 87%. And number six? Now, number six and number five are tied. I will no. mention that. Number five, The Dark Knight Rises, 87% as well. Eat shit. Insomnia's in the fucking top four. Number four, Insomnia, 92%. Be... What? <laughs> I enjoyed it, but not that much. It's 92%. bottom for me.
0: Yeah, it's a great film, but bottom shelf. Okay, you know? motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Pacino. That's it. You
1: want to uh, know what they're looking at? <laughs> <laughs> number three, Dunkirk, 93%, oh. which is also tied with the number two spot, Memento, 93%, which leaves the number one spot to Dark Knight, 94%.
0: Now, the sound design of Dunkirk, by far number one. Goodness, that is just yeah beautiful yeah. sound design. Hey, guess what?
1: Uh, lost Best Picture to Shape of Water, though. Yes, it did. No disrespect to Guillermo del Toro, but... Oh, yes, disrespect. But <laughs> Dunkirk did not need to lose out to that underwater you know, film. I'll right. take it back. No disrespect to Guillermo. Major disrespect. Yeah, you came out hot, me. <laughs> All right, I'll take it back. I'm sorry. He's a great director. All, All right. disrespect no, 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 to Guillermo no, del Toro. Best film that year
0: should have went to 2049. All right, Blade Runner... 2049.
1: It's a take. It's a hot take, but I like it because it was better than what one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just thought it'd be interesting to throw in there. We know that obviously Rotten Tomatoes is not the end-all be-all, but it is fun to see what these quote-unquote credited sources and fan sources have in these movies ranked. Insomnia 4th.
0: Let's see what these critics think when I put a gun in their mouth. Oh God!
1: I knew my starting off number ten with Interstellar, I knew it was going to hit Kubhart.
0: <laughs> Pain. I'm sorry. What they put as number one again? I wasn't paying attention.
1: The the the, the Dark Knight. Obviously. Oh, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. That's fair. you yeah, I mean you knew you knew that was going to be number. It's one. a cyclical that, approach, is what I take. Because I put
0: Dark Knight at number two and at number one, so when you wrap them around together, it follows just like their
1: line. It's linear. <laughs>
0: they don't understand
1: it all comes back together <laughs> give me all you got the dark knight pleased both sides of the aisle yeah So. Uh, and then the last question here would this have had more of a cultural impact in a normal year yes. cultural impact? I don't know I mean did Dunkirk, that was his last movie. I think it makes more money, but I don't know if the impact culturally is is there. I mean like, look at look at Avatar. It made three billion dollars and had almost no cultural or pop culture impact whatsoever. It had a very important
0: impact on cinema. Let's be real, it was what really kicked off. Did you hear what I said
1: It It had no cultural or pop culture impact. And it made $3 billion is what I'm saying, but I th- no I one is talking. When well, no one's talking about avatar today, it had an industrial impact. No, yes. Doubt. It had an impact on the technical aspects and cinema itself. See, here's it, the shift. No one for more talks about avatar CGI fueled films
0: for Marvel films, which had cultural impact, but that's all because of avatar. <laughs> hmm? Hmm?
1: Iron Man came before Avatar. Avatar is the most forgettable movie to make more than $2 billion. uh, Avatar. Is that a hot take to say? Avatar is the most forgettable movie to make more than $2 billion. People talk about there's Titanic. only been four of them, right? People talk about Titanic. Okay, I'll say this: it's the, one of the most forgettable movies to make over a billion dollars. To include more movies, people talk about Titanic more than they talk about Avatar.
0: Uh, I think. what Captain Marvel is a billion dollar film, and yeah. yeah, we'll talk about Avatar more than Captain Marvel.
1: I'll agree with them there. I don't know with as relevant as the MCU is getting and how expansive it's getting. She's probably going to get more movies, maybe her own TV show. I. It might drown out Avatar, but that's what I'm saying. No one talks about Avatar. They should. What's the most random, is it the most random movie to make? Yeah. A billion? Because all the other billions are sequels adapted from something. There's already a fan base. It's definitely the most, the least expected movie to make that much money because there was nothing beforehand but to be excited for. Is it random considering who was directing? That's what I'm saying, though you like him you might like that genre but there was nothing there's no pre-existing fan base like I mean, Marvel or Star Wars there's no fan base for Titanic but you know <laughs> that got a billion <laughs> No, yeah, for those movies that's what i'm saying there's, those movies are the ones that don't have an pre-existing fan base are the most random movies to make a billion dollars that's fair and and also uh, leonardo, leonardo dicaprio was yeah. becoming a heartthrob at that time we'll see what was so special
0: to me about avatars, obviously, it's not so much about plot. It was all about just a way to give some story to all the technical aspects of it, the CGI, the 3D application, where to me, it is the greatest experience I've ever had in the theater. because I fair. saw it in theater, in IMAX when it came out, and it felt so real seeing all the little jellyfish plants. Uh, flow uh, past me, fair. which I didn't get to see this film. I did not see Tenet in IMAX. I really
1: wanted to. Uh, that's fair. It just didn't have the same impact. I also saw it in IMAX and 3D and I just... I wasn't off. That was really cool, but I think a week later, I probably was moved on from Avatar. It's a it great movie. They I think kicked
0: the, off the 3D experience, though, for a lot of other films in that era. 3 uh, d is a gimmick and a, a piece of shit, so... Well, that's why I Avatar 2, what uh, James Cameron wanted to do, was make... Uh, system where you could project 3D films without having to use the 3D glasses.
1: What about 4D, bro? 3D is a gimmick. What about 4D? Yeah. But you know what? Avatar also started the wave <laughs> of Hollywood trying to force Sam Worthington <laughs> down your throat. <laughs> Hey Sam Worthington fine. Oh, ah, no, 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 no. He's not. just Clash. see Manhunt Unabomber. He was great. Sam Worthington, Clash of the Avatar, yeah. started Hollywood trying to make you love and accept him as the biggest star on the planet, and he never was or will be. Clash of the Titans. He's just um, Clash of the more, Titans is horrendously forgettable.
0: Uh, <laughs> he's a more action-oriented Sam Rockwell.
1: So Wrath, I see him. Wrath of the Titans. Well. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oscar that's, winners, Sam Rockwell. To me, that's, yeah, to me, that's disrespecting Sam Rockwell. Come on. Go. I mean, that's that's fair. I, I like Sam Rockwell more, but, you know, Sam Worthington, you
0: know, I feel like he really gets into his role well. Who do you. You uh, kind of forget about him in films. A lot of people don't know Sam Rockwell's name or well enough, you know. They
1: should, but they don't. That's Gerard real. Butler or Sam Worthington? Gerard Butler.
0: Gerard Butler was in Olympus Fallen. so I got to go Gerard Butler. <laughs> Wow. It's, it's a good talk film. About, talk
1: about forgettable movies. It's a good <laughs> film.
0: It's a good film. White House Down, not
1: so much. <laughs> Olympus Fallen, good film.
0: Uh, I'm pretty movie. sure Ebert enjoyed uh, Olympus Has Fallen.
1: What to ask him? Oh wait. You know what? I'm checking. I'm checking right now. We'll never know. Josh Duhamel you know who that is, right? The, the the soldier from Transformers. Oh yeah. Him or he Sam He? he honest to God, I think he might just be in the military. He's played enough soldiers <laughs> in films. I think legally he is in the US military. <laughs> That's gonna be a law. If you're in thirty films as a member of the US military, I think you legally become a part of the actual military. Autobots. <laughs> Hey, uh I didn't what? get tenants.
0: <laughs> uh I'm trying to figure out. When did Ebert die? What 2013? film killed him? Well, what, was it G.I. Joe or was it Rise of Cobra? Uh, what killed film him? killed him? Uh yeah, yeah. Which G.I. Joe? I know it was one of them. I proved it to you guys. It
1: was uh Retaliation, right? Retaliation. Whatever came out in twenty thirteen. Oh, then he might have seen Olympuses fallen. Hold on. Hold on. Oh I gotta he died review. in April twenty
0: thirteen. Uh that's he before. didn't see this. He didn't review it on his website, okay. but there is a re- review from March 20th for Olympus has Fallen. Three stars. Suck it.
1: I don't subscribe to your theory that GI Joe Retaliation killed Roger Ebert, but <laughs> I went through the timeline of all the films he would
0: reviewed and that came out in that time, all the films that year.
1: Got to be it's GI Joe Retaliation. It's an interesting theory. Giving Olympus Has Fallen three stars is now is perfectly worsened. Fine. Worsened my opinion of Ebert's scale. No, he didn't do it, did he? It was Bill's no, Wecker. His whole, his whole site. His whole site. Though. Oh, okay. It wasn't him, though. It wasn't him, but his oh, whole yeah. site, which is run by all those people, has now worsened my <laughs> Who opinion it? of their rating. Who yeah, was it was Bill's it? Put their, Wecker. Put their name oh. out there. Bill's Wecker. Yeah. Let's see
0: if you reviewed Primer. because I want to go other films similar to Tenet. You know what yeah, else get? Three Prime. stars?
1: Tenet. Olympus Has Fallen. Equal to tenant according to Roger oh, Ebert. Okay, okay no, hold on, hold on, no, no, no,
0: hold on, no, let's go with similar to Tenet. Roger Ebert does have a review for primer, which is a very it's a much, much, much smaller budget version of Tenet in that. He's in Primer. With- it's, it's a very indie film. These two engineers, and it's actually they are real engineers, they went through, they directed a time travel film in which they have this box in their garage that allows them to go back in time, and there's whole flowcharts you could watch out there to follow it along. I've seen the film. It's, it's pretty good, but I saw it a while ago. It didn't follow along as well as I should have. It's definitely much harder to understand the tenet, but it takes much more. of. You know, I was trying to talk to you guys about Dirac Delta functions and things. This one takes it to the max. He gave it three and a half stars. This is in 2004, and this one was reviewed by Roger Ebert. So I think that he'd probably do the same for Tenet nowadays. And I'm going to give you another film similar to this whole um, Doppler effect redshifting. Not so much the time travel aspect, a little bit of it, but it doesn't do the full time travel. It's all about the Doppler effect. Do you guys remember Clock Stoppers, a Nickelodeon film? from uh, the early 2000s, 2000, 2002.
1: It rings a bell. 5.2 out of
0: 10. Uh, I love
1: this film. 9.2? 5. 5.2. 5. Uh, okay. <laughs> 9.2. 9. <laughs> 9. I was going to say, the only um, Nickelodeon movie that deserves a 9.2 is uh, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, It uh, did not make its money back. I can tell you that much about it. What? Clock oh, wow. Stoppers. <laughs> so the guy The guy
0: who directed Clockstoppers, Jonathan Frakes, who was Riker.
1: Where is he now? Where is he now? I'm doing Star Trek things. Hey, you know, this is a way off topic. You you want to know who I hope never directs again? Josh fucking Trank. Oh, who's that? Josh Trank directed the Capone movie. He directed uh, that movie <laughs> Chronicle. Oh, no, not Chronicle. He directed the Fantastic Four reboot. And you know what he does, Coop? You know what he does when the critics slam his movie? Blames the studio. Every time. Blames the studio.
0: I was going to say Shane Black. I don't like Shane Black. Every I time. Iron Man 3, you know, I love Iron Man so Josh much. Josh Trank. can. Uh, do you guys, did any of you ever see Project Almanac? It's another indie film. Heard of it. Uh, that's in the one that plays with time travel as well. It's a pretty and famous about cast, This guy right? who he builds, he finds his box in his basement that... His dad left behind for him, and it's about building a time travel box. So he used it to play around, go to film festivals with his girlfriend, things like that. The later realizes that, you know, there's obviously effects from doing all this, and it's more of, uh, is it really worth doing time travel, dealing with all this? Can you really undo mistakes when it leads to other issues? That's kind of what it plays with compared to Tenant, where Tenant's more about, hey, let's undo this task, let's go into the future, but we got to redo this task in the future where we can't change what happened in the present or the past necessarily while well, we can change how it's perceived. So, so Project Almond Act, I think, was kind of interesting if you enjoyed Tenet.
1: That's a pretty famous cast too, right?
0: Uh, well, let's see. Produced by Michael Bay. Uh, it's uh, Johnny Weston, Sophie Blackdahlia. No,
1: no, the answer's no. Johnny Knoxville? Going back a minute, Josh Trank, if you <laughs> Google <laughs> him and his movies, Josh Trank catches you. have got train. Big Fan 2009, Chronicle 2012, Fantastic Four 2015, Capone 2020. No image, but a little farther to the right is Fantastic Four 2. Oh. You cannot be telling me, especially with Marvel having oh, the rights no. now, that they're letting him make another one. That shit got
0: buried. Well, no. all I see on IMDb for him is that he's a writer for The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt, an adaptation.
1: <laughs> the Rise? Fantastic Four Two film director Josh Trank. Is that the 10th uh, Star Wars movie? Star Wars The Rise of Roosevelt? Could <laughs> <laughs> be. Also, I just in the people who people also ask section, <laughs> one of the questions was why did Fantastic Four flop? <laughs> and the immediate first line says, There's never been a good Fantastic Four <laughs> movie.
0: <laughs> I still want the nineties one to be released. It can't be worse Fantastic
1: one. Four. Release the ninety four sole <laughs> intent of keeping the IP under Fox's ownership. Ridiculous. that's also what it says there's never been a good fantastic four movie oh, that's i just think it's a joke when you make a bad product and you blame your boss every time yeah just fuck off it's like when the charlie's angel reboot flopped and the director was going on about how the movie flopped because misogynist men didn't want to go see it and I was like, no, no, no. Well, if you
0: blame. Hold on. I heard the same exact excuse for the new Ghostbusters.
1: Yeah. I was I like, know if no, it no, or not, but- no. No, no, no. If you make a bad movie, people don't want to see it. Look. That's how that works. No, no you- one
0: talks about Alien with a fantastic <laughs> female lead. Right.
1: Look. Because it was had- a good movie. If you have a good track record like Fincher, who disowned Alien 3 because of studio interference, then I'm, I'm inclined to take your word. When you're Josh Trank and you've made shit over and over again, and there's a pattern here of you blaming the studio every time. I'm not going to believe you. Maybe maybe I'm the problem. Hollywood, if you're listening, all right, I haven't directed any
0: big films, but in another sense, I have a good track record, all right? All right, give me a chance. Just give me a chance.
1: (laughs) Give me a chance. (laughs) What about my uncle?
0: Give him a chance. Did yeah, you?
1: <laughs> I said, get out of the car, and he wanted to be all high and mighty, so I shot his ass. Hey, bro, you gotta make that cool film I was telling you about using, you know,
0: the machine learning for the faces.
1: The, the horror, horror film.
0: film. <laughs> I think it'd work out well.
1: Um, summer twenty twenty four. I'm totally lost.
0: Where are we in this podcast?
1: Well, before we move on to the final section of fun facts, I want to pause it? This question to you guys. We've been talking about time travel. Is Back to the Future the best time travel movie? So no, Coop, you're, you're not terribly high on Endgame. No, I
0: a, hated Endgame. I'm not a it's big... Dom as a cop out. Back I only like Tilda Swinton scene there. That was neat.
1: What do you think, Brett? Not a big Back to the Future guy. Ah, oh,
0: I did enjoy all the little fun Easter eggs people find in Back to the Future, and I do enjoy the films. You're killing me, Brett. I mean I
1: saw I've seen the first one twice I think and it's never made me want to watch two or three you killed me
0: well three's not quite as good
1: that's what I have heard about about <laughs> three Terminator 2 does that count time travel yeah I
0: think it counts definitely and that's probably my favorite that was one of my favorite action films for the longest time
1: but I gotta go die hard over that The first one too first best time, time travel movie Hot Tub Time Machine 2. <laughs> Wait, they made a second? Yeah, they did. You bet your you ass. Bet, you bet your sweet ass Hollywood made
0: a second movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what? I enjoyed the first one. I'll give it, you know, I enjoyed the first one. Did but you enjoy it like, enough to get a second one? No. No. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, What are the best on IMDb? Let's, let's see if we can find an article, maybe. Probably fan-made. Let's, let's, see, what this, let's up. see
1: what Collider thinks. 15. They've got Primer. Coop. Hey, hey, I told you. 14, The Terminator. A little low. 13, About Time. Right, that was a good movie. Yeah, 12, Back to the Future Part Two. Okay. <laughs> do you want 11, to watch it now, Brett? No, 11, Idiocracy. Huh. 10, I guess Looper. Th- th- that doesn't really count. They don't do time travel. They don't oh. do time travel at all
0: in Idiocracy.
1: Number nine, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> That's number whoa, number whoa, eight,
0: <laughs> number eight, Star uh, Trek. Prisoner no, 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 no. Sure, Azkaban counts, it counts. 2009,
1: 90s. the reboot of Star Trek at number eight. Okay. Number seven. I did enjoy that a lot, actually. It was good. It was. Number yeah, was. seven, New, 12, 12 Monkeys. 12 nice. nice. I've never seen it. Uh, number s- i I've, I've s- seen a lot of
0: love for it recently on a lot of social media. Is there some sort of anniversary for it? Because I've seen a
1: lot of discussion about I think it turned 25 last year.
0: I mean, I'm talking recently within like the last month. I don't know if don't people know. are rewatching it or if it's on like Netflix this is or not
1: This is not the name of the movie, but number six, Edge of Tomorrow. It's a live, die, repeat. You can try oh, and yeah, rebrand yeah. the movie as much as you want. It's Edge of Tomorrow,
0: die, I think so. Well, it's because they're trying to, Great you movie. know, translate the Japanese name from the manga, which I thought that was a good film, but the title That's made good. it confusing as hell. That was bad marketing. Was number like a, five?
1: Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> number four, Planet of the Apes. All right. Did they have time travel? Does that count? I guess. No, it's the... It's the, the, no, it's it the 1968 count. film now. I see
0: that here on the list I'm looking at. They put it seventh, but that doesn't count.
1: Number two, Terminator... Or number three, Terminator 2. All right. Number, uh, number two, Groundhog Day. That's... All right. Like, I feel like everyone will think of that when they think of... It's like time loops. And number one, they have the first Back to the Future. Brett's going to go watch them all, Coop. He's going to go watch all three of them? No. (laughs) No.
0: He didn't even finish Shark Tale when we had a chance. you know. I've <laughs>
1: seen Shark Tale before. So <laughs> watch film. it again. Yeah. Like, again, we keep throwing that word good around too too lazily. It's going to lose its luster. Oh, <laughs> hey, did you say Arrival in your
0: list? Because I got Arrival on this one. I can't believe we forgot Ooh, about
1: that. Yeah, that article did not mention Arrival. That's time travel? Or Interstellar. You know, both are very relevant. This next article I clicked on immediately lost me. It had the top 30. Number 29 was Men in Black 3, so I just closed the article. not that good? I enjoyed Men in Black 3. <laughs> it yeah. was good, but I wouldn't put it yeah. top 30 time travel movies. <laughs> That's fair. This uh, one is pleasant,
0: fiddle. What?
1: Well, why Why, you guys, got it. why are you guys doing um, that? Fuckers. Fun facts. Time why are you guys, <laughs> uh, why you guys are doing that? Some fun facts here. Keep looking, though. Uh, we talked about Nolan took five years to write the screenplay uh, it took him over a decade to come up with the main ideas uh, delayed three times as we know Hans Bredis your boy mm-hmm. could not do the score because he was working on Coop's Dune
0: I'm so hyped I got Dune in the
1: book right next to me <laughs> yeah
0: read maybe the first chapter they're gonna
1: they're gonna try to get me to read that book and it's never gonna happen I don't care how excited I get <laughs> for this movie <laughs> I'm not reading that fucking nine thousand page book. No, it's only. Hold on, it's only like um, I'll tell you
0: exactly I how many it pages. It is nine hundred something. It is six hundred, like including the afterward. It is. Uh, no, let's not do the afterward. Let's do. No, let's not do the terminology. Let's. It's. It's only. It's only, it's only, it's only Well, it's a lot of terminology, a lot of appendixes. How does this all work? It's
1: too okay. bad that I'm illiterate, so it doesn't matter. Uh it's like six hundred and twenty-four pages. Jokes on you, I can't read. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. uh Kenneth Brana, you want to know what he said about the script? He said it he read it more times than any other in his career. And then you mentioned the thing about Robert Pattinson not knowing what was happening half the time. Guess how many feet of IMAX film were used? Four. Uh, Just four. <laughs> 1.6 million feet of IMAX film. Good God almighty. And then the famous line, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago before he destroys... Uh. The Russians' men in the kitchen
0: improvise. Thank God, thank God there's a website that converts feet to football fields. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Any final thoughts?
0: Uh, this is US football fields, it's 5,333.3 repeating
1: football fields. IMAX, yeah. yep. Wow, worth it. Final thoughts if you haven't seen this movie watch it i think spectacle gets attributed to some mindless movies out there this is this is a spectacle if you haven't seen it yet i would almost say wait until you can see it in the theater as easy as it might be to put on at home this is such a fun movie such an exciting time the whole way through i was never bored for a second watching this movie never Never. I, w- I wish. I hope they re-release in theaters.
0: Hey, I got a little phenomenon for you guys. So you're aware of like, you know, Deja Vu. You've been here before whatever. Yeah. I swear to God, I had a dream months ago about Brett saying that line. I'm saying it a word doc and I had no idea what it was about. But it would have been years ago at this point And instantly was reminded of all this. And I don't know. It's kind of surreal that we're talking about Tenet with that.
1: So you're saying I'm inverted. put you in a hole so bread's gonna die bread has the red the <laughs> red trinket.
0: i i say if you're gonna watch this film uh enjoy a lot of it for the you know special practical effects and that jonathan's wife was talking all about how audiences nowadays they really expect cgi and things and so like uh, to audiences 30 years ago and so they're not sure how to deal with the practical effects well really. or you know, the cars are actually flipped. They use pylons to flip it, things like that. I say if you're watching it, pay attention to how many things are not actually as deep as they seem in terms of hallways or distances. They painted a lot of this film, a lot of it.
1: So if you're watching, try and pay attention to that. And he, and he blew up that plane because he fucking could. <laughs>
0: uh, that is fair. It's like that scene from Airplane, but you know, <laughs> all in.
1: <laughs> all right. Coop. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, Bredis and I will be back next week. And as always, thanks for listening.